What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Today, Matt and I are going to be talking about March Madness, one of my favorite events of the year. We're going to break down the first couple rounds. We're going to give you some players to watch, give you some upsets that we're picking in the first round, look at potential second round matchups, some of that fun stuff. You're going to hear us talk about Ken Palm a little bit today. If you don't know who Ken Pomroy is uh, and what KenPom.com is, the main thing you need to know is that it's basically the Bible for advanced stats in college basketball. So if you want to go check it out yourself, it's KenPom.com, K-E-N-P-O-M. It's a really cool site, really help you fill out your bracket, and you'll hear us talk about why today. Uh, I'm super fond of March Madness. My son was born during March Madness last year. So the Houston versus Arizona game from last year's tournament was actually the first sporting event I watched with my son when he was about a day old. Uh, He was up crying in the middle of the night. I got up to carry him around the room and we ended up watching some of the game together. So super excited for the tournament, super excited to watch it with him this weekend. And I'm super excited to break down the first couple of rounds with Matt. So let's go. Matt is here to talk about one of our favorite sporting events that I don't, it's hard to like transition into college basketball from everything else that we do because we do so much like NFL and NBA and all of a sudden we're like, okay, three weeks, college basketball. Uh, Yeah. We were literally just talking about how like, yeah, we got to get brackets done, but like free agency opened yesterday in the NFL. Like somewhat of a big deal. Yeah, it's such a hard area of the year to decide what to do because you have NFL free agency, you have trades going on, you have Aaron Rodgers giving the Jets a list of players that he wants them to sign even though he's not on the Jets yet. Uh, So there's so much going on and we're going to do these three March Madness episodes, uh, which end up being really good and really popular Mm -hmm. every year. People love it. Um, and then we're going to jump into the NFL draft. Like as soon as we're, we'll do March Madness championship, boom, yeah. NFL draft stuff, which is probably our best month of the year. So like the next eight podcast lit, <laughs> looking forward to it. Yep. It's too bad. We won't get to talk about the, uh, signing of the off season right now. Mike white. I don't hate it for the dog. No, it's actually a good move, but it's just, it's just so fucking funny to me. He's just and one of those. And it's in division. Do you know who he is? Mike White? Yeah, he's the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my God. He's just going to play for every AFC East team repeatedly. <laughs> he's just going to keep going to each one. Conditions are perfect. It's nothing else is on TV. Conditions are perfect. Uh, but we are not here to talk about Mike White. We are here to talk about NC a little bit college basketball, maybe a little bit more Mike White at the end of the podcast, depending on where this goes. Matt, did you finish your bracket? I did, like all of fifteen minutes ago. Good man, prepared for the podcast and everything. Do you have a strategy that you follow when you fill out your bracket, or are you just like different every year? Uh, I would like to think that it has evolved over the years. I mean, one thing that's remained consistent is if there is a particular player that I feel very strongly about, I'm probably going to pick them pretty frequently. They're not going to see me picking Brandon Miller to get knocked out in the first round. (laughs) The other strategy is, uh, Can they play defense? Because every team's going to have a game where they just kind of go cold. And being able to play defense is that thing that will keep you in a game when you go cold. And at that point, it's you get to those tight, late, close games, and it just comes down to who can execute at the end of the game. I have two strategies. For filling out my bracket and i think people are going to laugh at me for both of these but this is serious uh, i usually find the team i want to pick to win the championship during conference championship week like i know before the bracket ever comes out 
who I'm leaning towards picking to win the championship. And then there are certain statistical criteria that we'll talk about later that every single champion since O2 has met. Right. So like I kind of pick my team and then I check it against all the statistical criteria. And if my team meets all that, then I'm good. And I, when I go to fill out my bracket, I seriously just pick that team in every single round before I do anything else. I take them all the way to the championship. I'm like, okay, this is who I want to win. The other thing I do is that I completely fill out my bracket and then I delete it and I start over again. And I see how strongly I felt about all the picks that I already made and see if I want to remake them or if I want to make some changes. Uh, and I look at things like, do I have all four 12 seeds beating the fives? Because it's like, I know it's famous for upsets, but like all four of them are not going to win. Um, so I look at stuff like that. I also try not to take it too seriously because no matter how much research you do and no matter how hard you work on filling out your bracket, someone who picks their bracket based on which mascot would win in a fight is going to win your pool. Like someone's going to pick it based on which mascot would win in a fight or who has better jerseys or which players are the most handsome and they're going to win your pool. doesn't matter what you do. We might want to change our strategy. I I had this conversation on Twitter today. <laughs> Which mascot in the NCAA tournament would you pick to win in a fight? Out of all the mascots. Oh God. That's that's a tough call. <laughs> the responses on Twitter today, uh Alabama, because it's an elephant. Purdue. Yeah. It, Purdue's a train, I guess. Uh, I picked Iowa State. How do you fight a cyclone? I don't, <laughs> I don't think you're going to win that one. <laughs> that, that's a really good point. Like, how are you going to punch the wind? I also looked at like St. Mary's because they're the gales. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, you know, gale force wind. But actually, it's just what... a bunch of ladies named Gale. The, the Gales. Actually, what it is is just Gaelic people. And I was like, mm, I probably dock you for that, Gaelic. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I don't think history is necessarily on their side. No, I was, actually <laughs> don't know much about Gaelic culture, so I probably shouldn't be talking shit. But uh, I'm just going to pick VCU over them because I feel like the Rams would beat them in a fight. Spoiler alert. It hasn't necessarily always gone well for the Gaelics. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Um, I also like to look at coaches who have had deep runs before. Yeah. So like I'm more apt to pick like a Arkansas with uh, Eric Musselman, who's made a couple deep runs Yeah. or like a Michigan state with Tom Izzo or like someone like that, at least to win like a round or two. Yeah. And then I also like players who have been here and done that before. I going back to Michigan state, I just, it's been a, it's been several years since Michigan State has done anything in the tournament at all, and that's not to say that like Tom Izzo isn't a good coach at this point, but it's like how dry does that well need to go before we start needing to see that program prove it before we put stock in it again. It's a fair point. I do feel like Tom Izzo is kind of one of the most overrated coaches in college basketball. He has a national championship from like the early 2000s, as yeah. well as like, I think he has like one or two more championship appearances. Mm -hmm. But I will still take his experience if I'm on the fence and I'm like, ah, Michigan State or USC, I don't really know who's going to win. I might lean more towards Tom Izzo's experience of having so many tournament games under his belt. Yeah, I just I just feel like the the program is in a very different place right now and they have not found their footing quite yet. Maybe this is the year, right? It's it has to happen eventually. Statistically speaking. Well, I mean but, 2000 2019 they won four tournament games. You know, COVID has made it all 
<laughs> like it's been so long. I mean, but to be fair, like in... you you do realize that that it feels like that's been like a decade, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I I forgot there wasn't a tournament in 2020 because of COVID. It was the first yeah event that we lost to COVID. Uh, but in 2019, they made it to the regional final. In 2015, yeah. they made it to the national semifinal. So, yeah, uh, I remember that one. They've won. They've had some success, but like, yeah, definitely lately they've been. They've won their first yeah. round game a couple the, times and then been out. Yeah the the post COVID era has not been great. So yeah, we'll we'll get into like our final fours and our mm-hmm. uh, championship picks here in a little bit, but. One of the other like one of the awesome things to watch is the actual players themselves. Um, right. And you talked about one of the guys I'm most interested in watching yeah. during this tournament, and that is Alabama yeah. wing uh, Brandon Miller, who is currently projected to be like the number three or the number four pick in the NBA draft, kind of depending on what outlets you look at. He's actually the only prospect in the top five of the NBA draft right now, who is going to play in this tournament. Because mm-hmm. you got Gwen Bam Yama from France. You got Scoot Henderson in the G League. And then the Thompson Twins who play for uh, Overtime Elite. Yep. Which, how those guys transition into the NBA after playing in Overtime Elite is going to be fascinating to me. But uh, Brandon Miller is like the only top five guy we're going to see. And it's it's weird from years past where we had multiple guys that we were looking at. But Brandon Miller is yeah. a he's a 6'9 wing who shot about 40% from 3 this year, slightly over 40% while averaging 19.6 and 8.3 rebounds. The advanced stats love him. He had a 25 PER, 61% true shooting, uh, 123.5 offensive rating and a 92 <laughs> defensive rating this season. He has done Everything he has needed to do this year to put him in that conversation of, okay, who's the first guy after Victor? This tournament is when he needs to make that elevator pitch. We're actually like, we're on the exact same page here because I kind of feel like I'm on an island a little bit. And maybe this is a little bit of a hot take, but if the draft was tomorrow, I think I would take Brandon Miller second. I, I think like legal issues aside, because mm-hmm. like he's he's wrapped up in some legal stuff right now, but he's being treated yep. as a witness. So like assuming that doesn't change. I think I would take him second. He's a six nine wing who can score from all three levels. He's got a flamethrower from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. You just and he's good on defense. You just do not find that combination very often. No. And I know Scoot's like super athletic and super exciting, Mm -hmm. but when you look at where he's at right now, he's a six, two guard who can't really shoot threes. You know, he's shooting, I think 33% in the G league right now. And we're starting to get to the point where this upcoming draft is reminding me of the 2021 draft where there was a consensus number one overall player. Like we all knew who was going first Mm -hmm. in 21. It was Cade Cunningham this year. It's Victor Wembamyama. In 2021, Houston took a guard from the G League second and passed on Evan Mobley, who we had all watched in the NCAA tournament ball out. And we knew we're like, okay, this guy's really good. Yeah. You don't like Brandon Miller is another like unicorny type prospect where you Mm -hmm. just don't find this combination of size and skill and like this much polish this young. I I feel like right now I would take him and I want to see him make that announcement on the national stage. Like I could see this tournament being the yeah. thing that like, prom- like shoots him up into being the second overall prospect. That is what I expect out of a guy that is going to turn himself into a top 10 to five guy in the league eventually. Right. And when you're drafting that high, that's what you are drafting to eventually have that's what you're looking for obviously most of the time it doesn't happen but that's what you're looking to see him do here is 
show, hey, I know what I've got. And I know I there there is no match for me in this tournament. And I'm going to drag the rest of this roster all the way to the national championship game. I agree with you, but also like the rest of the roster is really good. Right. Like, they're the number like, one overall seed for a reason. I, that doesn't matter in this statement though, right? Like he could be playing with me, you, and a couple of trash cans. And I would still want to see that out of him. Who scores more points in an NCAA tournament? Me and you or the trash cans? The trash cans. Yeah. Super <laughs> trash bros. Um, as a side note, though, they do have uh, Noah, Clowney, Noah Clowney on their team as well. He's another dude who could be a top 15 pick in the NBA draft this yeah. season. So there's a couple guys there to watch. They're, they are pretty good. Yeah, it is kind of wild how they like are a team that was never really super big on basketball. And suddenly like they got some talent stacked up. Yeah. They've, they've had a few good years the last couple of years, but then but all nothing... of a sudden they have like, yeah, multiple top 10 picks yeah. and be the number one overall seed like this. That's pretty crazy for a school. That's a football school. Yeah. My other question when I was thinking about Brandon Miller this is a little bit off topic, but do you think the G League works? Not as currently constructed. They really need to take a step back and look at, okay, who are we putting in these in this league to coach these guys up? Because that honestly, that's going to matter more than who they're going up against is are these coaching staffs set up to actually develop talent or are we just hiring guys who have been around forever and, you know, in the inner circle, like, Oh yeah. Like I know him, like he's solid, but okay. Well, like Dwayne Casey's a respected name and we all know if you've watched anything over the last five years, Dude can't develop talent for shit. I do not think it currently works, but I think that is probably in large part due to the NBA not really putting a real effort into staffing it in a way that would make it do what it's meant to do. So I agree with you. I I don't really like the Ignite thing because... The idea was like, oh yeah, we're gonna get these guys into NBA coaching and like the NBA model, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna have them skip college and like start developing them the way that we want to develop them before mm-hmm. they go into the draft. But then like you bring them into the G League Ignite, and you're like, okay, you know, Jonathan Kuminga and uh, Jalen Green, you guys can both take like twenty shots a game. Yeah, do your thing. This this whole team is just to feature you, and that's just not how it's gonna work at the next level. No, for the most part, especially not like if you're going to be on a good team. And I feel like what happens, like I went back and I looked at all of the guys who have been drafted off of the G League Ignite so far. And I just feel like they're all a step behind the guys who come out of the NCAA and the guys who come from foreign teams, like guys like Mm -hmm. Brandon Miller, who actually have to play as part of a team. And while you're the best player, it's not just you. It's not like, okay, yeah, go out there, shoot. 30 shots. We don't really care if we lose. And you look at like Scoot Henderson's game log. There's multiple games, 28 shots, 20 shots, consistently 16, 17, 19, 20. Like, right. It, it just doesn't, I don't feel like it's getting people prepared for the NBA. And I feel it's like, a pre- no, it's not. And like a pressure cooker, like the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. you know, we saw with, Evan Mobley a couple of years ago that like he comes into the NCAA tournament. He was one of your guys to watch on this podcast. Like when we had this conversation on this podcast a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, you're like, yeah, I'm watching Evan Mobley because he's a big time draft pick. I want to see him do well. USC made it to like the elite eight that year. They upset Kansas. Yeah. They beat a couple of people and he was awesome. And it was like, okay, I can either have that guy or I can have the G league guard who's shooting 30 times a game. Like, yeah, 
give me the guy I just watched be awesome in a high pressure situation for weeks. We saw Jalen Green be who he's turned out to be in the NBA the same way in the G League. And granted, volume score was probably always the way that Jalen Green was going to turn out, right? Not to say that he can't still get better. Still very talented player, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Clint. Like the whole, like, do I go for this shiny thing right now that could be incredible? Or do I take the guy that I see has polished, is incredibly talented, and is dominating in, you know, one of the biggest sports phenomena in our culture? Yeah, I'm probably going to take that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the boat's a boat, but the mystery box could be anything. Could even be a boat. Could be a boat. (laughs) One of the best lines of television ever. Yeah, so that that's really why I'm keeping an eye on Brandon Miller in this. Um, I picked Alabama to go very far. Spoiler alert. Um, but I, I'm starting to just be on Brandon Miller Island. I'm like, okay, this is the number two pick in the draft. I'm taking him yeah. over Scoot. I'm taking him over the Thompson Twins. With like, God knows how overtime elite is going to transition into the NBA. Like, I already have all these concerns about the G League. This overtime elite thing is like the G League on steroids. Yeah, I give mean- me Brandon Miller. <laughs> I know he's going to be good. I, I'm i not out on Scoop Henderson because he is so talented. And obviously, like, the, the personality aspect of things is something that, like, we simply just cannot evaluate. And I think that is a huge component of whether or not someone coming from the G League is going to be successful because you have to be receptive to being asked to do things differently when you get to the NBA because that will not just be asked of you it's probably going to be demanded of you the thing is I just don't I don't have that question mark with Brandon Miller if I'm a GM that yeah I know my job is online because I'm drafting this high well why am I taking that unnecessary risk if there's a more polished just as high upside and far less risky prospect available. Yeah, like 100%. Houston has that pick back. Who are they taking? Evan Mobley or Jalen Green? Probably still Jalen Green because they're idiots. <laughs> no, they're taking, they're going to take Mobley after what we've seen. That, that pick could actually end up being like an unmitigated disaster for them. Yeah. I was just going over those guys' stats and like, the things oh, that Mobley does and it's ridiculous, like, dude. Holy shit! And like, they took they took him ahead of Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Yeah, and tough one. The thing is, is that Evan Mobley's stats are like dampened by playing in Cleveland because that roster is just so loaded. Yeah, I mean, but just like if you watch film on the guy, it's just like. God, the oh, offensive stats God. may not be there, and Jared Allen's going to get some rebounds, but <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> He's so good for that. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But enough NBA stuff. People want to hear about March Madness. That's why they're here. I just thought it was super interesting in the context of what we're watching here in the tournament and Brandon Miller having a chance to assert himself. Uh, then The next guy... The guy that I'm actually, I might be more excited to watch this guy than I am to watch Brandon Miller. Max Abmus. He's back. Oh, shit. And I I still can't pronounce his name. (laughs) I still, it's been two years. I have not learned how to pronounce his name. He is back. If you don't know who Max Abmus was, that's not how you say it. I forget how you're supposed to say his name. It's like Amis or something like that. The B is silent. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it Acemus? Yeah, or like Ace Mister. It doesn't yeah. sound how it looks. We're going to fuck this up for the next three weeks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we did this two years ago because two years ago, he led Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. They upset the Ohio State in the first round. That one's going to piss a lot of people off. Uh, as it should. They beat Florida, and then they lost to Arkansas, but only by two points. 
they had this awesome run two years ago. He averaged 27 points per game, which like that's a lot in college. And that's a lot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he was awesome. They had Kevin O'Banner with him as well. You remember like those two guys put up all the points and the rebat, like the team scored like 70 points and the two of them had like 65 of the 70 points. Super fun run. They had a down year last year where they missed the tournament, but they are back after the best season in school history, finishing the year 30 and four and getting a 12 seed. This team is legitimately good around him now, but make no mistake. He's a stud. He led the NCAA in scoring as a sophomore. He's still scoring like 24 points per game. And the team around him is like actually fun to watch. They have a seven, three center named Connor Vanover. They have other guards who can score with him. Now they're just deeper. They're fun. And like, I quite frankly, I think they're ready to make another tournament run. Let's do it. I'm, I'm all in for Max Hasemus. Yeah, he's all, he was so much fun to watch two years ago in the tournament. Oh, yeah, like, he was the star of that tournament. Full stop. He's awesome. The roster around him is better, so I think we're going to see him for a couple rounds again. Thought of another player, and you had to know that this name was getting said on this podcast. Grady Dick. Do we need, uh, to, play, for we need to play a round of like porn stars versus college basketball players. You have to guess which one is which <laughs> Grady Dick college basketball player or porn star. Right. Poor uh, at the end of the day, like Grady Dick is actually like a legitimately pretty damn good basketball player. Uh, shooting like just under 40% from three. It's playing on a really, really good team too. So, uh, yeah, but definitely keep an eye on him. Uh, I think doesn't Arkansas have like a couple of really good guards too? Yeah, Nick Smith is still there, uh, and Anthony Black and yep. Ricky Ricky Council. You got a couple guys. Ricky Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, I like quick hitters. Uh, Oscar Tishibwe the senior forward slash center from Kentucky. He's led the NCAA in rebounds for two years in a row now. Mm -hmm. He's fun to watch. And then I just wanted to mention uh, Tracy Jackson Davis, the senior forward from Indiana. So in the last 30 years of college basketball, there's been one player who finished their career with over 2000 points, over a thousand rebounds, over 250 blocks and over 200 assists. Do you want to guess who that player is? No, because I don't want to sound dumb. <laughs> it was Tim Duncan. Uh, Jackson Davis is past all those milestone markers already. So he's going to be the second player to Jesus. do that. Yeah. So he's he's not like a big um, NBA prospect. There's another guy, Shafino Hood on Indiana, who's probably mm-hmm. going to be a top 10 NBA pick. Uh, who is going to be fun to watch, too. But he's just he's awesome. He's been there for years and he's been awesome there for years so he's another super fun guy to watch um yeah nick smith who you mentioned from arkansas he is projected to be like the seventh pick in the nba draft houston's got a bunch of dudes who are super fun to watch like there's there's talent all over this tournament like it's going to be an awesome tournament just watch any game basically Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's my favorite thing about the tournament. It's like noon on Thursday. I'm working from home. Get the games up on the TV. And then you got like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like this is one of the best weekends, man. I love the first couple of rounds of the tournament. And I would be remiss if I didn't. Uh, just mention my favorite name in the tournament. Turquavion Smith. <laughs> just an incredible name. NC State represent. Yep. I say that like I knew what school he played for before the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Matt educated me before we started. Uh, The most fun part of the NCAA tournament is the upsets, the Cinderella's, the fun. And it's especially great in the first round. If you remember last year, I think we came. It was like two years ago. We set the record for most upsets in 
the first two rounds of tournament history. And then last year they almost beat that record. Yeah. We could see a bunch again this year. We probably will see quite a few. What upsets are you picking? Like, give me a couple upsets that you're picking in the first round. We're definitely both going with Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. Max Asmus is back and he's here to give the people what they want. And that is a first round loss for Duke. Yes. He's the hero we need. I actually do. I really like that one. Aside from the fact that it's Max A. Smith versus Duke. I do like that one. Oral Roberts scores a ton. 84.2 points per game, which is third in the nation. They're second in threes per game at 10.8. And they don't turn the ball over. There are six in turnovers. Like six best in turning the ball over. Uh, They also hit their free throws. So they're 12th in free throw percentage for teams. Uh, And so like all those things, I like all those things. (laughs) I like being able to hit threes, not turning the ball over. Um, But most importantly, what Duke is really good at this season, they're not as talented as they have been in years past. And obviously this is their first year without Coach K. But they're 16th in rebounding and they're 20th in offensive rebounding. So they beat you up down low. Uh, They're not a great three-point shooting team. They're 239th in threes per game and 213th in three-point percentage. So they're a team that's really focused on beating you in the paint. Not super easy to do when the other team has a 7-3 center. Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that is going to be really tough. And it's uh, John Shire, the coach of Duke. It's his first year as head coach. Oral Roberts coach is the same coach that led them on an upset trail before that we just talked about. I like it, man. I CBS says that 83% of brackets are picking Duke right now. That's where we want to be, baby. We're under the radar. We got Max oh, yeah. Smith on our side. Let's get it. I'm taking Oral Roberts for multiple rounds. Yeah, I mean, lock that one in. Yeah, they whoever wins this probably gets a date with Tennessee in the second round. Uh, Tennessee's star point guard tore his ACL near the end of the season, and they finished like five and seven down the stretch. So if Tennessee even makes it out of the first round, like they're an easy target in the second round for Oral Roberts too. like put Oral Roberts in your sweet 16 people. Do it now. Who else you got? I got Drake over Miami as well as Kent State over Indiana. I know that one you probably don't like so much but i am very down on pretty much anyone from the big 10 that isn't purdue (laughs) (laughs) you should produce the team that always blows it too yeah but like the rest of them have been not good this year (laughs) that's fair i actually like indiana to go a couple rounds um my biggest upset that i picked I'm not super, super confident in this one, uh, but I have number 14, UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos mm-hmm. over Baylor. So since 2004, there have been 24 teams that were top 10 in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm while being outside of the top 100 in defensive efficiency. Of those 24 teams, 19 were knocked out in the first round. And zero of the 24 made it to the Sweet 16. So all 24 of them either lost in the first or the second round. Baylor, second in offensive efficiency, 104th in defensive efficiency. They also turned the ball over like crazy. They're 201st in turnovers. This is a game that's going to be played at a really slow pace. Uh, Baylor's 202nd in pace and UC Santa Barbara's 296. They both want to slow it down, meaning there's going to be less possessions, meaning you add more variance to a game, makes it easier for there to be an upset. Also, UC Santa Barbara shot 49% from the field this year. Seventh in the nation. So if I'm looking for like a huge upset in the first round, I'm probably looking for a game that's not going to have a ton of possessions. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for a bigger team that's vulnerable. And like, honestly, Baylor's been great the last couple of years. I know they've had a couple deep runs with Scott Drew and they won a national championship. I, I, 
if I'm going to pick a lower seed, like 14 or lower to win, that's my that's my team that I'm picking. Doesn't hurt that they're named the Gauchos. Yeah, that definitely helps. There's a lot of good points there. I would definitely agree that they there's a certain level of vulnerability there. Obviously, Scott Drew being pretty experienced on tournament runs maybe gives them a little bit of protection from that. But yeah, definitely the uh, the turnovers are a very real concern there. Yeah, basically a a slow paced game, every turnover, like the value of that is tripled. Yeah, I basically took everything that I said about coaching to start this podcast and said, fuck it, that team is called the Gauchos. Let's go. Yep. Solid, solid analysis there. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of analysis people come to the show for. They're like, Adam's going to throw out all these statistics and all this shit. And then he's just going to be like, fuck it. Gaucho up, baby. Yeah. And uh, in fairness to you earlier about Indiana, uh, God, like how many times have we seen the Big Ten have like an incredible year with all these teams that are great and then just get absolutely demolished in the first two rounds of the tournament? So maybe all the Big Ten teams are just going to be really good except for Purdue now because (laughs) that's how just things work. Maybe the regular there, season is the opposite. There was that year a couple <laughs> years ago. They like tied the record for most tournament teams. They had like 11 teams. Yeah, like, it was insane. The only one of them to make the sweet 16 was like Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> Just, like everyone else was gone. Uh, to be fair to you, Kent State is legitimately good. Yeah, like they're better than a 13 seed should be. If you look at net rank, uh, Indiana's 30th and Kent State's 59. So it's like not that big of a gap. I don't love the shooting numbers. No. Kent State, they're 128th in field goal percentage and 214th in three-pointers. But like it's, they're a good team. And like that's that's why these upsets happen. Yeah. Is because you have major conference teams like Indiana who are like good, but not the best in their conference Mm -hmm. versus teams that dominated their conference against lesser competition but like kent state's a good team so like i could totally see it yeah and like situations like this too obviously kent state is more likely to play up to indiana's level because they are a perceived underdog there and I mean, you look at the way so many of these Big Ten teams have played this year. Like, yeah, there's certainly a risk for Indiana to play down to Kent State's level. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's how a lot of this stuff happens. Also, uh, Kent State's leading scorer's name is Sincere Carey, and that should be all we need to decide that this is happening. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, the thing I like, so I have Indiana going to uh, the Elite Eight. Actually, I have them beating Houston in an upset later in the bracket. Tracy Jackson Davis, who I talked about earlier, uh, 21 points per game, 11 boards, four assists. Yeah. He's a baller. Uh, and then Jalen hood Shafino is a 6'6 point guard who's averaging 13.5, 4, and 4. So mm-hmm. there, there's some serious talent on Indy. Right. I'm going to hope it's enough to carry them because you you could easily be right about the Big Ten just getting lit up in the first round of this tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there there were not very many Big Ten teams that I picked in the first round. No. <laughs> I think there were like two or three at max. Yeah, I, I also, I didn't pick this upset, but I did want to give a shout out to Kennesaw State. Uh, there were 14, they're playing Xavier, who's a three. My mom went to Kennesaw State in Georgia. Oh, I actually picked that one. Did you? Okay, give us the yeah. Give us the Kennesaw State for Robin Fowler. Defense. I mean, they're just a better defensive team than Xavier. Xavier's giving up almost seventy-five points a game. Like, if you struggle to shoot the ball in that game, like you're you're behind the eight ball there. Oh, Xavier's a hundred ninety-six 
in defensive rating. Kennesaw State is 63rd. Yeah. Much better. Defense is like that rising tide that floats all boats for your team. Like, yeah, you want to score points, but man, the best teams and the best players have their off nights shooting, but you can always play great defense. When in advanced situation, you can't afford to only rely on your about your ability to score. You just can't. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, to that point as well, I have uh, VCU beating St. Mary's, which is another 12-5 in the first round. Mm-hmm. I'm going to warn you all, I maybe don't listen to me on this one. Uh, I have a thing for VCU. Um, back when I worked in hotels, my first day as a front office manager, VCU was staying with us because they were playing in the tournament in uh, Auburn Hills back when the palace was still open. And I met Shaka Smart and I met the president of VCU and they gave all of my staff uh, shirts that said wreak havoc on it because they used to have that havoc defense. Yep. So I I can't pick against VCU in the tournament. <laughs> I haven't done it since then. That was like in 2000. It had to be like in the mid 2010s, <laughs> like 2012, yeah. 2013, something like that. You'd have to look at like, I think they played Michigan State at Auburn Hills. Um, and that I was rooting sense. for him. I had my T-shirt on and everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in on that one. Uh, St. Mary's defense is pretty good. I mean, obviously, VCU is in the tournament for a reason, and their defense is not bad either. So they're probably going to be in that game. But I think that's that's a... Uh, tough matchup for them to overcome it is for sure that's what i'm saying like this is this is a heart pick yeah like this is not like i don't have like this great statistical yeah uh i don't have as good of statistical backup as i did for fuck yeah go gauchos but like it j- it's a heart pick i got a couple of those i just have schools that i like from like my history with them that i'm just gonna pick you know i'm okay with that um, yeah, I, also I have mean, schools that I hate that I'm going to pick against. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I picked NC State over Creighton because Turquavion Smith. So, yep, I, it's there's so much randomness in an NCAA tournament that, like, you can have you should have yeah. a methodology, you should have criteria that you look for in games, but like, it's okay to just be like, eh, I want to root for VCU, so I'm betting I'm picking VCU. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you're probably going to be more successful and more importantly, have better mental health if the way you pick your bracket is you're just going to yeet it. Just have fun with it. Just guys. yeet every pick. Um, I also I was looking at this. I didn't pick any of these, but. Each of the last two seasons, we've had a 15 seed reach the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even beyond last year with St. Peter's. Um, so we had Oral Roberts do it that we mentioned a couple of years ago. We had St. Peter's make a deep run last year all the way to the Elite Eight. I was looking at if a 15 seed is going to win a game or two, who is it going to be? I landed on either Vermont or Princeton. And I don't have like great reasoning for it. It's just like, how many times have we seen Arizona disappoint in the tournament over yeah. the last like 10 to 15 years? Are uh, they the new Georgetown? Oh God, they could be. <laughs> <laughs> they easily could be the new Georgetown. God, oh, God. I fucking picked that team religiously too. <laughs> I had the year that Arizona had DeAndre Ayton, I picked them to win the NCAA tournament and they lost to Buffalo in the first round. Yeah. And I that so they might very well be the next Georgetown. Yeah, uh, I I feel like I almost have to go Princeton now. It could be. Um the reason I picked Vermont is just like Vermont is always in the tournament. And I think right. that they have like a lot of experience. I think like all five of their starters are seniors. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but again, Marquette is just like another school I really like, and they're really good. Like, 
Marquette's yeah. just one of those schools. I've just always had a thing for Marquette. I really like him. I picked him to go far in the tournament. Uh, but speaking of going far, who is your final four and who is your champion? Ironically, I was not expecting this, but my final four got a little chalky. <laughs> in fact, this actually might change. They're just all one seeds. <laughs> they they literally are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but it was not earlier. Hmm. That's what happened. I uh, switched from Texas to Houston, which is not what I'm picking. <laughs> hmm. So I mentioned earlier, there's a certain statistical criteria that I follow. Um, and it, it's pretty long, so bear with me, but I'll run mm-hmm. you guys through it real quick. Uh, every champ since 2002 has been top 57 in offensive efficiency and top 37 in defensive efficiency in Ken Palm. 95% of them were top 21 in offense and top 37 in defense. The only outlier that throws us off from that 95% is Kemba Walker's UConn team. Yeah. That's a statistical anomaly. So you could pretty much say, with 100% certainty that whoever wins this is going to be top 21 in offensive efficiency, top 37 in defensive efficiency. No team has ever won the tournament after losing the first game of their conference tournament. Uh, No first-time head coach has ever won a national title. All the champions since 1990 have come from a conference that has four or more tournament teams. No top two seed that has started the season unranked has ever made it to the final four. Every champion since 2004 has been in the top 12 of the week six AP poll. I I know some of these seem cherry picked, but like literally every single champion follows these criteria. After applying all that criteria, we have three teams who can win the national title. Alabama. Texas. UConn. That said, my final four is Alabama, it's Texas, it's UConn, and it's Marquette. So while you were doing that, I was looking at my bracket. I had to buy you some time. And I uh, I made a few edits. Some of our other discussions made me think. I'm... No longer picking Arizona to win any games. <laughs> <laughs> I got Oral Roberts in the Elite Eight. Sick. I'm I'm riding that Acemas as far as I can. Uh so my final four now is Alabama, Marquette, Texas, and Kansas. Yeah, I don't hate that. If you uh expand the criteria to include teams that are top 57 in offensive efficiency. So like if you include Mm -hmm. the UConn team in the analysis, you get to add uh, UCLA, Kansas. Oh yeah. UCLA and Kansas to the mix. Um, And if you take out the criteria that says that four plus teams from every champions conference made it, you get to add Houston. Uh, Houston has a opportunity to be a statistical anomaly because they're like top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. So, like, they're good enough, according to Ken Palm, to kind of break the mold here a little bit. So, I keep an eye on them. Um, so, that said, what's your who's your national champion out of those four teams? Brandon Miller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I'm not not betting against him here. Bam all the way. I like it. I, I don't say that very often. Uh, I have Alabama in the national championship. I picked Texas to beat Alabama in the natty. Wow. We... <laughs> Do you have Alabama over Texas? Yes. Oh, God damn it. I knew this was going to happen. I said before the podcast, we're in like the pre-show. And I was like, I want to see who your national champion is. Because we did our NBA picks this year. And I was like, I'm going to be so sneaky. I'm going to have Milwaukee over Memphis. There's no way Matt's going to have that. And Matt's like, I have Memphis over Milwaukee. This happens every time on this goddamn podcast. It's like we definitely needed to have a podcast, but we also should not have a podcast. 
<laughs> no, we you know what we need is a three a three person booth. We need a third person yeah. to just be like, oh, I have like Oral Roberts over Princeton. Good with that, although that's not how the bracket works. But no. <laughs> uh I, I'm gonna tell you right now, I just jumped on the bandwagon with you. I'm taking Oral Roberts to beat Duke, beat Tennessee, and then beat Purdue. Let's go. We're riding this Max Acemus train. This is officially an Oral Roberts podcast. Yes. Go O R. Uh, but that is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. You can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Matt, you got any final thoughts before we sign off? I just want more Max Acemus. I so like I'm circling that game on my calendar. I'm so excited yeah. to watch that. It's my favorite game of the first round. Yep. Most uh exciting player since Jose Calderon. Uh, did Hall did Jose Calderon play in an NCAA tournament? Uh I don't think so because he was coming from the Spanish League. Yeah, he came over from Spain. That's right. The, this is my thing. We didn't talk about this earlier in the podcast. The level of like crazy shit that the college players face versus what the G League guys face before they get drafted is only topped by the shit that happens in Europe. Oh, absolutely. The stuff like Luka Doncic was telling a story about how he was playing a playoff game uh, and there was like flares going off. In the stands, people were throwing stuff on the court, and the guards all had AK forty sevens, and he like still dropped forty. And when I heard that story before he got drafted, I was like, "This guy's the next Michael Jordan." <laughs> like, fucking drop forty in that environment. So, uh, I'm sure conditions Jose, are perfect. Conditions are perfect. So, all right, my friend, I will see you soon. Enjoy the games this weekend. Let's go, Oral yeah. Roberts. Woo, woo. All right, bye, guys. Bye, Robin. Bye, mom.